Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible tonight. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. Let's just sit on that for a little bit. There's more to the verse, but I think we got to preach that a little bit. Before God formed you in the womb, that means that when he stood on the edge of the darkness and decided to create the light, he didn't just see you, but he knew you. Before DNA started to come around, before the molecules lined up in just the right way, before your eye color was determined, before your hair color was determined, before we knew you'd have that super cute dimple in your cheek, when he stood at the edge of eternity and said, today's the day I start time, he knew you. He knew you. And more than that, he approved of you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You aren't even in a, in a being in existence. And yet he has said, this is a good thing that I see coming. I approve of this. I, I know this that's coming, and I can't wait to meet it. Then the rest of the verse says, before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So not only did he know you before you were even in your mother's womb and approve of you, before you were born, before you even drew air into your lungs, he set you apart. He consecrated you. Consecrated means that he not only set you apart, but he had holy things in mind for you. He could see you seated in places that you couldn't see yourself seated. He could see you partnering with him in ways that you could have never imagined partnering with the creator of the universe. He set you apart, consecrated you, and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. If you're taking notes tonight, my message is blank canvas or blueprint. And we're going to just dive into this scripture and develop it a little bit. So my children, I have two kids, eight and ten, and my eight-year-old boy is in the third grade. And like every third grader in the United States of America, he had his All About Me poster. Have you guys seen those where you put down what your favorite color is, the name of your pet, what you like to eat, and then you have this little section that's like, when I grow up, I want to be. Have you guys seen those? You probably have made them for your own children or when you were in school. And he did this whole poster, and he was so proud of it. And he said, Mom, this one section, what do I want to be when I grow up? He said, I've got two things, and I can't make up my mind. And I said, well, sweetie, you're only in the third grade. you got plenty of time. You don't have to make a commitment tonight. This poster, it's flexible. And I said, but if you can't make up your mind, just put them both down. Put them both down. He said, that's what I'm going to do. And I left the room, and I left the room thinking, okay, he's trying to decide if he's going to be a doctor or a lawyer. He's maybe an astronaut. Maybe he's going to be in the ministry like his mother. Thank you, Jesus. Or he's going to decide to be a public servant like his dad. Yes, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm just like this expectant mom. I'm so excited. And he comes out of the room. He's so proud of his poster. And I see that his favorite food is pizza, that his favorite color is orange, that he loves his dog, Charlie. 
and I look in that other corner and I see that my son, when he grows up, can't decide between a Jedi Knight and a ninja. <laughs> and I, he's like, Mom, what do you think? I was so proud. I said, well, son, I'm glad you put them both down. I think you got an equal shot at both of those. <laughs> Let's just see what God does. And I was thinking about that story, and a truth sort of bubbled up in my spirit, and it's this, simply that you cannot be anything you want to be, but you can be everything God designed you to be. <laughs> you cannot be anything you want to be, but you can be everything God designed you to be. You have to rest in that. And so to help illustrate my point tonight, um, Sasha Breeden's going to come help me. And I've got my good friend Jessica Rangel. Jessica, if you could come help me, ladies. And I kind of see where most folks, they get frustrated in life. They get frustrated because they think, what do you mean I can't be everything I want to be? This is America. This is the land where dreams come true. I want to submit that I'm not here to kill dreams. I did not tell Owen, psst, Jedi's are pretend. No, I didn't do that. I want to submit to you that you can be more than you could ever imagine when you give yourself over to a God who knew you before time existed. You can be more than you ever imagined or could think for yourself if you would allow the creator of the universe to have the steering wheel and not the front seat. Does that make sense to you? And so some folks, I think they get a little bit frustrated with life because they approach life like it's a blank canvas. I can be anything I want to be. And so, Jessica, if you could help me tonight, I would love for you to draw, and you can do horizontal or you can do vertical. Both will look great in my house. But if you could draw a picture of you, just express to us all the essence that is Jessica Rangel. And I have an amazing budget, and so I have bought only the finest preschool brush and paint for you. So if you could just go ahead and take a minute and just express who you are, the, the Jessica Rangel that few people know. So please help yourself. Is it supposed to be a portrait or is it like expressing who I think I am? I love, see, aren't you guys learning more about Jessica? I love this. There's no wrong answers. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this is just, a, this is an expression of who you are. How, how you see yourself, the, the, the Jessica Rangel. Okay. And we only have one color, so we're going for something very modern tonight. It's, it's monochromatic, black, white. You guys like that I know what monochromatic is? Isn't that pretty impressive? I'm not just a pretty face, folks. <laughs> so while she's doing that, I want to talk a little bit. Oh, look, a heart. That's a nice, that's a nice start who she is, what her perception, our percept, oh, we've got a, it looks like some petals. I see flowers, that's beautiful, that's very nice. That's very nice, it's developing itself. A lot of bold statements, a lot of bold strokes. You can see that, this is who Jessica is. Can anybody tell me, that's a sun. I was really good in charades. I don't want to be the only one playing. If anybody else recognizes anything, feel free to jump in. I was proud of myself for recognizing a Jedi and a ninja. It would, I was, it would have been better if I had pushed this down, but just pretend this next part is above it. 
Okay, so what she's saying is she's going with a really modern feel. She's saying really the, as an artist, she wants us to look at this first and then this, yeah. So broad strokes, very bold strokes. Well, the, the reason I feel like people are sometimes in what we call the midlife crisis or they, we have a generation of Americans that sociologists are devoting a lot of attention to, they're called the millennials. Have you guys heard of that? And millennials, they're, they're learning, have a desire to want to change the world. They want to do big things, but they get frustrated because they can't find a path from where they are to where they think they need to be. And they hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And they just can't seem to find the satisfaction that their parents and that their grandparents found. And I want to I wanna suggest to the, the sociologists that the frustration they may be finding is because they're taking a blank canvas approach to life where it's a lot of broad strokes but not a lot of fine detail. So what we have here is, Jessica, we have, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your painting, You Love Something? Uh, no, I, I consider myself to be a loving person. This is an expression of who I am, right? Yes. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> there are no wrong answers. <laughs> I consider myself to be a loving person. A loving person. I love new life. She loves new life. That's very nice. A great artistic impression there. And I consider myself to be a warm person. She's warm like the sun, ladies and gentlemen. And this is all because of Jesus. Jesus. Very nice. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Rangel. Very good. Thank you, Jessica. Well, the canvas approach to life isn't necessarily a bad approach. But I want to submit to you that God actually has something much, much, much more detailed in mind. I feel like the God who knew you before time started, the God who not only knew you but approved of you, has a blueprint with your name on it. I love that these blueprints are from our new education building that we just opened, and it was a year-long process, and over half that year was dedicated just to design. And the blueprints have layers upon layers upon layers of detail that would never be visible to the naked eye. But the fact that there's a wall here is not just a wall, but the electrician can tell me exactly where he's going to run the conduit for the wire. The plumber knows exactly where he's going to put the pipe. The service that comes from the city, there's no question where it joins my building. Layer after layer after layer after layer of detail so that when we walk into the education building, we just go, wow, this is an amazing place. But months and hours and sketch after sketch of detail have gone into it. And I want to submit to you that when you look at your life, sometimes you only see the broad strokes, but God has dedicated hours and eternity to putting layers and layers and layers of detail into who you are, why you're here, the giftings that you have, and exactly why your design is made to meet a specific need. Amen. Why you're here and why your design is for a divine purpose to meet a need. So we're going to answer three questions tonight. And the first question is, what is my value? Everybody asks, what is my value? And I want to submit to you guys that you're not the product of your parents' DNA, but a brand new idea from heaven. <laughs> you are not just the product of your parents' DNA, but that you are a brand new idea from heaven. God knew you before time. He approved of you before you had it all together. 
Isn't that refreshing? You didn't have to get yourself straight before he approved of you. He knew you, even in the mistakes you would make, he knew you and approved of you, knowing that he would have to send his son to die for you and still had layers and layers and layers of plans that only you can fulfill, that only you can accomplish. Romans 8, 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also destined from the beginning. From the beginning. I always think from the beginning of what? From the beginning of me? From the beginning of America? From the beginning of when Jesus walked on the earth? No, from the beginning. When God decided that time was going to start, that's when he foreknew and predestined you from that beginning, the beginning to be molded into the image of his son, that we might become the firstborn among many brethren, those whom he thus foreordained, he also called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. Look at this succession. He doesn't just call you. He justifies you by sending his son. He glorifies you by elevating you to heavenly places. And then it says, what then shall we say to all of this? And most folks can quote this verse, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know why we say that with confidence? Because we know we serve a God who didn't just see us but knew us and didn't just think, what am I going to do with this one, but designed us for a specific purpose and a plan for our lives. That's why we can say with confidence, if God be for us, who can be against us? This curveball is not catching him off guard. He isn't surprised that this person has treated me this way. He's not surprised that I've stumbled in this area of my life. He's not caught off guard by the economy taking a dip. No, he has already had layer upon layer upon layer of detail ready to be worked out in your life for his perfect purpose. So if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, I'm going to finish the verse, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him, Jesus, freely and graciously give us all things? Amen. Jeremiah and Romans, what Paul wrote in Romans, they echo each other. You were set apart, you were consecrated, and you were prepared for good gifts. You were prepared for God to impart to you exactly what you would need in exactly the moment you would need it so that he might be glorified. Number two, people always ask, what is my purpose? You can fill that in. Notice I didn't say calling because everyone has a different calling. Each of us has a different bent or a different set of skills or a different aptitude or interest in something. I am not called to be a nurse. My children get sick or they cut themselves. and I'm like, I'm out, I'm out. Call your dad, call your dad. You know what I mean? That's where I'm at. If my children get sick, you better believe you're going to be cleaning up after two, not just one. That's just, I don't have a strong stomach. But there are other things that I, I do bring to the table to my family. You know, I make a mean Tuesday night taco, you know? So what is my purpose? I want to tell you, we all have the same purpose, but not all have the same calling. And we all share the same purpose, and it's this, to make a big deal out of God. 
Don't overcomplicate it. The, the reason we live and we breathe, the reason that we have the design that we have, the reason that we have the giftings and the abilities that God's imparted to us is so we can make a big deal out of him. Make a big deal out of him. Our vocation and our calling help support that. Our vocation and our calling work. I think this is interesting. When you study in Genesis and Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, work preceded the curse. Work is not a part of the curse when they fell. Work was actually an extension of their worship because they were able to employ their gifts, their talents, and their abilities and subdue the earth, cause the earth to return something to them, and then bless God with that thing, whatever that thing was. The curse introduced scarcity, which competes with the thing that you return, with the thing that you produce. Are you following me? So work is not the curse. People are like, oh, I wish we were in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve actually worked. They tended the garden. They were stewards of that place. They subdued the earth and filled it. I have never seen anyone fill anything that didn't sweat a little bit or exert a little energy doing it. That's what Adam and Eve did. But when the, the scarcity was introduced, then it says in the scripture in Genesis, now by the sweat of your brow are you going to toil and the ground is going to produce thistle. Now there's going to be a competition with you. And scarcity is going to compete with what you're able to return, what you're able to get that investment, that return, that dividend back on your work. So the calling that you have is a means of glorifying the Lord. It's an extension of how he's created you and, and made you to produce in this earth. But our purpose is all the same, to magnify him and to make a big deal out of God. If you read in 1 Peter 4.10, I like the way the Amplified Bible says it. It says, as each of you has received a gift, employ it one for one another as good trustees of God's many-sided grace. I love that it says, as each of you, not some of you. As each of you. No one's excluded in that. Not for those of you who have been saved a certain number of years, for those of you who are single, for those of you who are married, for those of you who've been to college, for those of you who are young, for those of you who are adults or older, none of those prerequisites are on there. It says, as each of you. That means that every single person in this room, every single person on this planet has received a gift has received a specific design, has received some impartation of the divine so that you can accomplish what only he can call you and enable you to accomplish. And it says if you have that gift, put it to work, employ it, employ it, put it to work. It's not meant for you to hoard, it's not meant for you to bury in the ground, it's meant for you to put to work as good trustees of God's many-sided grace. God's given you this gift, this endowment. You didn't have to earn it. And the whole reason he did it was so that you could be an ambassador and a minister and a representative of his grace. There are so many things that God would like to impart to his people, but he usually uses other people to impart them. Think about that. 
There are so many things that God would love to do for his people, but a lot of times he doesn't stick his hand down from heaven and pat your back, but he sends someone in a divine appointment to call you at just the right moment. Somebody to give you that encouraging word when you needed it. Someone that you may not even know, but that smile took you, golly, it got you through that next 15 minutes. If you would employ your gift, you would be a trustee of God's many-sided grace. When you are who God designed you to be, you are his agent of grace, and you meet a need he foresaw and designed for you to fill. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his own handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, that we may do good works which God predestined for us. I love this. this is all about, he already had this in mind. He foreknew, he predestined. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. This is all like, I had this in the works for a long time. It says, their works which he predestined for us, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he had ready for us to live. Your main job and your purpose is just to make a big deal out of him. Make a big deal out of him. Last question. How's all this going to happen? I love it. I love it when people wax eloquent, but at the end of the day, I'm a dollars and cents kind of girl. I'm like, what's this mean to me today? You know, let's close the deal today. So how is this all going to happen? And simply put, go in the strength you have, and God will go with you. Go in the strength you have, and God will go with you. I was reading in Judges chapter 6 with my kids the other night, and it was the story of Gideon. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll recap it for you. But I've read that story a thousand times, and I never caught this one verse. It just like leapt off the page right there in front of my face. And it's in Judges 6, uh, 12, and I'm kind of throwing the guys in the back a curveball because I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but it's in Judges 6, 12, and things are so bad in Israel that the people of God are hiding in caves and they're trying to hide their food because all of their crops, these bands of like raiders are coming down from Israel, stealing their animals, eating up all of their crops, taking everything and anything that's not nailed down. And so if they're going to survive, you know, there's no H-E-B. They've got to store away and hide things, hide food for their own families. And when we pick this story up in Judges 6, the Lord is speaking to a man named Gideon who is hiding some flour. He's threshing wheat in what's used for a wine press, thinking he's going to fool the raiders. Like, nobody will look for wheat in a place that you're supposed to put grapes. And he's doing it all in secret. And the angel of the Lord, in verse 6, appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of courage. And the first thing I think is, if he's so courageous, why is he hiding? <laughs> why? You wouldn't think you'd find a courageous man hiding. And I want to submit to you that the Spirit of God sees things in you before you see them in yourself. <laughs> because he foreknew you, because he's consecrated you, because he set you apart, he sees things in you that you don't see in yourself yet. And so he sees Gideon past present and future. And so he greets him 
God be with you, mighty man of fearless courage. And Gideon's first response is, oh, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this befallen us? It's excuse after excuse after excuse. I think you've got the wrong guy. I am in the smallest tribe, and I am the smallest dude in my tribe. So you don't have the wrong number. You got the wrong zip code. That's not what the Amplified Bible says. That's Sarah Stevens' version, but close enough. And the Lord replies to him. Gideon's like, what about this? What about this? What about this? How is this all going to be accomplished? I don't see how you're going to get us from hiding in caves to conquering this enemy. And the same way with you and I many times, isn't it? We feel the Spirit of God come up in us and remind us of who we are in Christ. Remind us of the many layers of details that he's built into our lives. The relationships we never knew that we would have. The opportunities and the doors that opened that no human hand could have opened, but he opened. The joy we get from from doing something that we truly feel that we've been created to do. And then the Spirit of God wells up in us and he says, Behold, mighty woman of valor, I have a job for you. And our first reaction is like Gideon's. Oh, I don't think you got the right person. What about this? What about this? What about this? And the Lord's response to Gideon is just so key. Gideon's like, what's going to, how's this going to happen? And the Lord says, go in the strength that you have and I will go with you. Our job is to just go in the strength that we have and know that God is going to come with us. That means that on your best day, if you're a seven, when you go forward as a seven and the power of the Holy Spirit and what we call the anointing rests on you, you go from a seven to a 700 like that. When you will go in the strength that you have and God goes with you. Don't allow yourself to see yourself in broad strokes. Remind yourself that you have layers of detail that nobody else knows about but your maker. Let's stand together. The next verse I read 1 Peter 4.10. I want to close with 1 Peter 4.11. It says, Whoever speaks, let him do it as one who utters oracles of God. That means that if you're going to walk in what God has for you, every word that comes out of your mouth has to strengthen and encourage. Every word. Is the same thing as when Gideon was approached with his future. The first things coming out of his mouth are, what about, what about, I don't know. I don't, and the Lord cuts him off and says, go in the strength you have and I will go with you. First Peter 4.11 echoes that. It says, whoever speaks, let him do it as one who utters oracles of God. Whoever renders service, let him do it with the strength which God furnishes abundantly so that all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. This is the deal God has for us. It's so incredible. 
he not only sets us apart and approves of us as heaven's next best idea, he not only endows us with gifts we don't even deserve and allows us to feel, feel a fulfillment, he goes a step further and says, I will strengthen you myself. I will take you from a seven to a seven million if you will take this one step with me. That's a deal I can't refuse. And I'll say it again, I can't be everything or anything I want to be, but I can be everything he designed me to be. And that is all right with me. I'll take it.